Streaky Shooters podcast from Duke University. I'm David Galili, a process truster straight out of Philadelphia, home of the 4-0 Philadelphia 76ers. The Streaky Shooters pod will delve into season-long predictions, takes on players, weekly game balls, fun hypotheticals, and the Streaky Shooter of the Week. Of course, since we're at the country's most elite basketball school, we will also discuss Duke basketball, led by Duke basketball statistician and fellow Streaky Shooters podcast host, Jason Schnall. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Uh, I'm Jason. I root for the Atlanta Hawks, so there will be no shortage of Hawks plugs for me on this podcast. I can promise you that. I'm really excited to get started with you guys. Joe, you want to introduce yourself? I'm your third string streaky shooter, Joe Robinson, a byproduct of the LeBron in Miami days. I played travel basketball all throughout middle school, and that's about it for my basketball career. I've since laced up my shoes and hung them up and I now go to Duke University to get a better education because it is true, white man cannot jump. It's an honor to be here. I rep heat culture, and uh, let's get started. Yeah, I'm really excited to get going with you guys. So uh, first, from the name, why don't we get right to it? First week's first episode, Streaky Shooter of the Week. Uh, Jason, you want to talk about that? Yeah, so this is gonna be um, this is gonna be a segment we do every week. We're gonna name our streaky shooter of the week, someone who is not really the best shooter, but you know somehow, some way, they throw up a shot and it goes in when it counts. So this week, our streaky shooter is Joe's giving me a nice drum roll. Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder destroyed the Nets in overtime with his three-point shot at the buzzer, and this is a great transition into our other segment where we're going to talk about some not-so-hot teams. So why don't we talk about this underwhelming Nets team? Yeah, I mean, all this talk came about the Nets. Obviously, KD's hurt and he's not there, but they still they still did get a borderline top-10 player, a perennial all-star in Kyrie Irving this offseason. True, they, got, they shipped out D'Lo, but you would figure this Nets team, who seemingly got better throughout the season last year, gave my Sixers a tough playoff series. Sure, it was only five games, but it was a tough five games. You would think that that would push them towards a top four seed in the East once they get Kyrie, but they just really have been struggling. Kyrie's had to do a lot. They he lost he dropped fifty and they lost one game. Um, it just it just seems like there's a lot of moving pieces there, and I don't really know what Kenny Atkinson's doing doing out there in Brooklyn. So uh, David, I actually bold take of mine, but I didn't think too highly of this that seemed to begin with, and it's coming from a KD and Kyrie quote. They're getting interviewed after they. Uh, signed with the team and they were talking about how the reason why they signed is because you know like it was like part of the culture and like the system but like these are two of the top 15 players in the nba right now this past decade right yeah definitely don't they not realize that anywhere there they go the system no longer exists they They are the system system. Mm -hmm. so well yeah i think it's interesting to think about how their team is operating right now and i i was a proponent for spencer dinwiddie he was my pick for sixth man of the year coming in. Karis Levert I thought was going to take a jump. And I just don't think they figured out yet how to work with Kyrie and still keep like a team intact. They're kind of doing everything through him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just short to Joe's point, Kyrie and KD are two of the five best ISO players in the league. So when you add shot them to your creators. team. Shot creators. Great, great way of saying it. And like you saw when Kyrie went to Boston after Isaiah Thomas left, the Celtics didn't really get better. By any means, it was just sort of they changed the system and they were just a very different team. So I guess that's fair to be expected. So well, at the same time, real quick, I'm taking any betting odds on Kyrie going for MVP. I don't care what the plus is. I'm taking that money. Interesting. All right. 
could be could be a little bit of foreshadowing be, for later. Be, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So um, getting into other some other teams that are underperforming, uh, the Kings and the Warriors. Uh, the Kings, the Kings were a nine seed last year, right? Almost made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Darren Fox made a massive jump in his second season. Buddy Heald's looking like a future All Star, and then Luke Walton treks over there from LA, and what what the fuck happened? <laughs> uh, you know, they're just. I mean, they're fast, but they. You can't just be fast. You need to create half court offense, and I'm I'm worried about Darren Fox in the half court. Yeah, I think he has the ability to do it, but he's just not like his shooting's fine, but it's not great. His passing's good, but it's not great, and so they don't. I, I'm worried about their identity in the half court. To be honest with you, I mean it's the beginning of the season, so I'm just full of hot takes right now. Got to get some of these off my chest. I actually don't think what the Kings have is a half-court or a on-court problem. I think it's in their front office. I think it's a Vladdy Divac problem. I mean, like, look at Vladdy Divac being the GM for the Kings, right? What great draft pick has he had? He drafted, Marv, he drafted Marvin Bagley second overall, <laughs> ahead of Luka Doncic, okay? Yeah. And Trey. And Trey. And Trey. Okay? Yeah. Second of all, he, like, failed to sign Buddy Heald all of the offseason. They only signed him, like, basically as a consolation prize. There was rumors that they publicly said... That they regretted the Harrison Barnes extension. I mean, I don't think it's any problem on court. I think I think it's Vlade more than anything. I yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair, but I just think that look, like coming off of last year, I don't think anyone expected this awful start to the Kings season. And then of course the fucking Golden State Warriors. I I mean I, I, before the season, I said Steph was my MVP pick, and sure, he's hurt, which is obviously going to lead to them having a rough season, but even when he was healthy, man, they they just couldn't do anything. The de- they had the worst defense in the NBA, and D'Lo wasn't, didn't really fit well, and they, I didn't think, I, I don't think I realized how many G League players they have on that roster. Um, I think what the casual fan doesn't know about that Golden State Warriors dynasty was how good their defense was. Mm-hmm, definitely. Because you you look at Steph and you think, oh, he can't be a good defender. But he was plenty good. Like, yeah. he's not great, but he can hold his own. And then you surround him with Klay Thompson, great defender. Kevin Durant, extremely underrated yeah. on the defensive end. And then Draymond Green, who is a perennial depoy candidate. Yeah. And they just had one of the top defenses in the league. And now they're just playing Amari Spellman, who cannot do anything like they're just relying too much on guys who are not only just offensive players, but aren't even very good offensive players. I mean, as Lil Wayne once said, what goes around comes around like a hula hoop. Karma is a bitch, but just make sure that bitch is beautiful. And right now, karma is not beautiful for the Golden State Warriors. Look, they had their five years. They had their run. But we're living in the most mobile, player-centric version of the NBA that we've ever seen. 100%. And part of that means that dynasties are no longer a real thing. Like, those 7- to 10-year dynasties that you saw of the Celtics and the Lakers back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, that's not going to live on with this mobile version of the NBA, okay? LeBron only stayed at the Heat for four years. Kevin Durant was always going to lead the Golden State Warriors. If you thought otherwise, then you're surely mistaken and not a true fan of the NBA. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm calling all you fake fans out there. Okay, so, like... It was just this time. It's just karma, man. Oh. We're going to have to edit that one out. We're going to have to edit that one out. No, we're I, not. I we're we're, pro, we're pro, a pro voice crack podcast pro voice coming crack. out right now. All right, some other, some other, some other uh, starts you want to talk about just briefly. Uh, Joseph's 
own Miami Heat off to an amazing start, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about them more later. So we're not gonna touch too deeply on them now. I and won't then, be too biased. Don't worry. He won't be too biased. And of course, uh, the Phoenix Suns, mm-hmm. who many would have thought, okay, that's probably the worst or second worst team in the West going into the season. They could contend for a playoff spot, maybe. They are probably a 10 seed at West, so that's that's another interesting development. They just look really good defensively. Javon Carter's been great. Aaron Baines has been a good addition. Dario Sarge, they just are fielding a team of a lot of actual NBA players, something they never had before. Shocking coming out of Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. So getting to probably the biggest news in the NBA this week, maybe aside from Steph getting hurt, the Cat versus Embiid drama. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give my spiel about this first, but uh, later, I want to hear Chanel talk about this first. Yeah, so, I, I mean, first of all, the fight, I love it. Like, let's get some action in there. That was exciting. That was fun. I mean, you got to see Mike Scott's reaction is hilarious versus Al Horford's reaction. It just creates yeah. intrigue in the NBA, and I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, the NBA's king. 100%. NBA is the best. All right, so now we're going to talk about Cat versus Embiid, and... Should we talk about just for this season or, or for the rest? Like, who would we take? I mean, the thing is, I think up to this point, like going into the season, it's a consensus that Embiid, Embiid is the better player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone's really going to argue right. with that. And, yeah, Cat's been all, Cat had a great start to the season. But just at the end of the day, for me, I, I'm riding with JoJo always. And that, that is because every single time he has a matchup against an elite center, he always wins. He always wins. He has dominated Anthony Davis in every single career matchup against him. Embiid's rookie season, he dominated DeMarcus Cousins, who was in his prime, who was, who was the best center in the NBA, a top 10 player in the NBA at that time when he was on the Kings. I mean, just Embiid takes this stuff to heart. He is the second most probably impactful defender in the league, maybe, um, after Rudy Gobert, especially when you look at the rim protection that he provides. And, he, again, whoa, like, he... Whoa, whoa. You bullies cat. Whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, stop hyping up Embiid because he bullied the softest pussy on this nation. Okay, first of all, cat. That's fair. Okay, I'm fine. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Sure. That'd be like picking on a ner- like a bully picking on a nerd for his lunch money. Like go pick on someone your own size. Cat is nowhere near <laughs> the level of Embiid when it comes to the trash talking, when it comes to in-game performance, okay? I You're remember last year. Let me finish. Let me finish. All right. I remember last year Nike released like a hyperdunk shoe that Cat was wearing with a list of all his achievements. You know, you know what that looked like? It looked like SpongeBob introducing his friends. It looked like all of his achievements are equal to chip, penny, and slightly used napkin. Okay, Cat <laughs> ain't shit. He's not relevant. I wish it was between someone that actually had relevancy. Give me Rudy Gobert. Give me Giannis. Give me somebody. Give me some actual beef. There's no beef here. It's vegan, bro. <laughs> I mean, all right, well, I, I'm I'm gonna take a different view of this and I'm going to say that for the rest of this season and the foreseeable future until something changes I'd rather have Carl Anthony Towns on my team now why do I say that and it's for one reason and it's that Carl Anthony Towns can actually shoot and Bede yeah he's a he's like a supposed to be a shooter he can supposedly shoot but he really can't he's a a really streaky shooter I mean Carl Anthony Towns so if I'm building my team the one thing that I always say is that I'm not going to build my team around a big man. I want to build my team around a guard. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to build my team around a playmaking guard, I don't want a big man who's going to be stuffing up the spacing in the middle. I want somebody who's going to stretch the floor. And, yeah, he, Carl Anthony Towns is one of the premier, if not the premier, post players in the league. So That's he fair. can go and get his own. But 
if I if it's the last shot of the game, I'm not having Joel Embiid or Carl Towns take that shot. I want to guard and that's I want to be able to have Carl Towns on the court and be versatile. Yeah, I mean that's no, that's that's a definitely a fair argument. I get it. Carl Anthony Towns is the best shooting big man in the league. He is probably along with Embiid and Jokic about on the same tier with the best post-scoring big man in the league. He's mm-hmm. he's very very dominant on the offensive end, but the, something you're just failing to ignore is the center is the most important defensive position in the NBA. That's by far no one will argue with that. And mm-hmm. Joel Embiid is if he's not the best, he's the second best defensive center. I don't mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns probably close. isn't very, very close. He probably isn't top 15, top 20. Give me a 20. stretch four over center any day of the week. I'm taking a power forward over center. <laughs> But what I'm saying is that you, if you have that elite guard, you have that Damian Lillard, you have that Kyrie Irving, you have mm-hmm. that Steph Curry, right? Mm-hmm. You need behind them, these elite guards, these playmaking guards, just the fact of the matter is they're not elite elite defenders on the what perimeter. What if your guard is 6'9 and has a body of a power forward? Well, that's, that's what we got. That's interesting. That's what we got in that's Philly. So what I'd say supposedly. is yes. if you're Philly, I think, I think so especially if you're Philly... Though? Well, what I'm saying is that you okay. So we're talking about Philly specifically. The whole the whole reason that the Sixers have been successful and will be very successful this year is because we rely on sort of like a bad boy Pistons mentality in the sense that we are going to be the best defensive team in the NBA. And Carl Anthony Towns changes that 100%. Sure, I don't even we would probably get a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball, but I just think we would suffer immensely on the defensive end. No one, and I mean no one is going to get theirs on Joel Embiid, and that's just a fact. So I, I'm taking Embiid any day of the week. I think the offensive end of the floor is the most important in the NBA. Like, you can be a competent defender, and it won't be that problematic if you're an average. Like, for example, Steph Curry, incredible offensive talent, average off, yeah. average on defense. If, sure. you, if you flip that around and you give, you give me an average defensive talent and an incredible – I mean, an average offensive talent and an incredible defense – talent I'm not that's not that's not as good so and I think Carl Towns has actually really improved his defense um you can see Zach Zach Lowe wrote an article about Carl in his 10 whatever his 10 things he showed he had a statistic Carl Anthony Towns is only letting opponents shoot like 32 percent at the rim this year yeah and obviously it's a small sample size but he has like he should be that good of a defender and he hasn't been for whatever reason but he's theoretically that kind of a defender he was great at Kentucky on defense Mm -hmm. And I think it, I think it's sustainable. And if so, if he's he's obviously still going to be a worse defender than Embiid, but I think he's a vastly more versatile player on the offensive end, and you can really just fit him into whatever you're doing. I mean, sure. And but what you're failing to ignore is you compared an average offensive player and an elite defender versus an elite offensive player and you know an average the real defender. Issue is? But um, but Embiid is an elite offensive player. He averaged 27 points per game while sharing the floor with Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons. I don't think. So like, wait, I don't think anybody in today's NBA can be called an elite defender, and here's why. Okay, so the reason why today's game offensive players are better than defensive is because today's game is so fast-paced. I yeah. mean, with all the three-point shooting, you're barely setting any type of offense into a rhythm that people can defend against. So, with that being said, there's not much of a chance for people to even defend or let alone get in a set defense if the offense is never going to have the time to get set either. And so, nobody has the motivation nor the drive or incentive to want to play defense but it's not necessarily their fault. It's just a byproduct of what we see in today's NBA. And that's also why we see that offensive players are better than defensive players today. Give me 10 years ago, I'm taking the San Antonio Spurs and their defensive schemes, you know? But that's not what today's NBA is. And so people adjust because of it. But I mean, yeah, I, 
I just think to su- to sum it up, it's just it's really you can't necessarily go wrong with either. I think that Embiid's the better player as of now by a little bit, not necessarily by a lot, but um, it just it depends on your team for sure. I think mm-hmm. that if you're if you're Giannis, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you would probably prefer to have Carl Anthony Towns because you see how they use Brook Lopez where they have him stand on the three point line. Carl Anthony Towns would be perfect there, and then you could stagger him and Giannis. Cat could carry the offense when Giannis is on the bench, but for the Philadelphia 76ers, I don't, I don't. There's no one better than Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid embodies the team. He embodies the city. He's the heart of the team. So I mean, that that sort of sums up the argument for me. All right. With that being said, let's transition into our season-long approach here. The hail mary of our takes. Yeah. Uh, Chanel, you want to kick us off? What is your yeah, season? What is your season one bold prediction? Yeah. So this is my one of my bold predictions here. And this is controversial. I know it, it. some people will agree with me that the Spurs are going to make the playoffs. And I am wholeheartedly in support of that. I think they're just so – their culture is so strong. Greg Popovich is so good. And then their guard play is just unreal right now. Yeah. And my bold prediction, though, is that the Spurs not only make the playoffs, but they actually win a playoff series. And that's going to be a big upset. They're going to be one of the lower-seeded teams. And I think they can unseat one of the, one of the heavy hitters out west – and really add some intrigue to the playoffs this year. I, I'm, Joe, you want to go? <laughs> who's, who's going on this erroneous statement first? I guess I got it. So, yeah, the, the Spurs could make the playoffs, maybe. They probably will as a 7 or 8 seed, but just the fact of the matter is, yeah, like, DJ Murray's great. He was my pick for most improved player. He's great defender, one of the best, if not the best, point guard defender in the league, 100%. Um, you still have the experience of DeRozan and Aldridge, that, that old man mid-range game they always work with. You have the best coach in the NBA. Again, like, they have that great culture. But you can't just ignore the fact who, of who they're going to play in the first round of the playoffs. right? If they're a 7 or 8 seed, they're going to be playing one of the Denver Nuggets, Los Angeles Clippers, Los Angeles Lakers, maybe Houston Rockets. Like These are, the, these are pretty cut, like clear-cut the top four teams in the West. And it's just... I don't, I don't see any star power. Are you telling me a team whose best player is maybe a top 35 player in the league is going to beat LeBron and AD, Kawhi and Paul George? I mean, Nikola Jokic is significantly better, plus the Nuggets are deeper and have just an all He's also significantly fatter. Yeah, I mean, all that too, which I, would, I love that. <laughs> I want to squeeze him. But, like, <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't see them beating anyone. Sure, maybe a, maybe a six-game series, but I don't. I don't. They just don't have the star power, and that's what you need in the playoffs. Yeah, I think, I it's it's very dependent on who they play. I don't think they can beat the Clippers. I don't think they can beat the Lakers. They're just too strong. But All right. I think Chanel. give me an upset over the over the Nuggets. Give me an upset Chanel, buddy. over the Rockets. Like they're just uh, Demar. What Chanel, we saw in the Chanel. playoffs last year. Excuse me, Joe. Let me finish, please. We saw in the playoffs last year that the mid range game kind of comes back when all your shots are more difficult. And Kawhi just dominated all. Like, he'd come up, he'd go between his legs, take a dribble, and hit a pull-up jumper. Like, DeMar DeRozan's a better playoff player than he is a regular season player because he can get to the line because he can hit a mid-range <laughs> jumper. <laughs> that is, Somebody turn the AC on. Yeah. Oh, that I is think, a spicy take. I oh, think. That's not even a, that's just, a, that's just I need false. some milk. I think. All right, Chanel, you might be on Dean's list here, but you are not that smart <laughs> when it comes to these basketball takes, buddy. Okay, Spurs suck. When DeMar got traded and they already had LaMarcus Aldridge, I was so excited. I was like, this is going to be the best pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop team in the league. They did absolutely jack shit with it. Yeah, they added a great defender and Murray. Whatever, he just came off a torn ACL. That ain't going to get him by through either 
Top four seeds in the West will go somewhere between the Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz, if they can figure out what to do with Mike Conley, or the Nuggets, okay? There's no chance they win a best-of-seven series against any of those veteran All-Stars. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so let's All right. move on. Yeah, let's just move on. They're going right. to do it. I have two bold takes here. I'm going to uh, touch up on both of them. One's going to come across a little bit biased, so I guess I'll just roll that one first and knock it out of the way. But my hot take here, and this is very hot. This is for my Heat fans out here. Miami Heat, Eastern Conference Finals bound? Question mark, exclamation point? Yeah. So, let's look at this right now. The Heat are sitting at a quiet 4-1. Okay? Quiet. A quiet 4-1. <laughs> Whispers. Two of those wins were without our best player, Jimmy Butler. We now have Jimmy Butler. We have very tradable contracts because all of our shit contracts in, like, James Johnson and Goran Dragic, they all second. expire. Sorry. Let's go back to the 4-1. and one. Two of those wins were without Jimmy Butler. Two of those wins were against the Trey Youngless Hawks, which also does not count. Which so is why on. it's a quiet 4-1. and one. Go on. Anyway, we have very tradable contracts. I think at the trade deadline, we make a huge trade for another all-star. Can't be Bradley Beal. And so I think, I know it's not going to be Bradley Beal, but so I think that we're potentially getting even better during that second half. And if we get somebody like Jimmy Butler who just fits our culture, I mean, like, that's what I think is so great about this team is the fact that they have chemistry together. You know, that carries people such a long way, especially throughout the playoffs, especially when things get chippy. If you have culture, that matters a lot more than most things when it comes to the playoffs. So I think the Heat will ride this wave. I think that they can beat any team in a seven-game series right now except the Sixers. Give me the Heat over Toronto in a best-of-seven. Give me the Heat over this... underwhelming Bucks team in a game in a series of seven and the Celtics who still have to figure things out right now I'm taking Spolstra's veteran coaching and playoff series over Brad Stevens any day of the week so that's my first bold take second bold take let's let's, let's discuss that first okay I'm actually I'm actually kind of on the fence on the fence with this one um someone obviously Butler was on the Sixers in the playoffs last year I saw what he can do in the playoffs and the man the man is bred for the playoffs. He can get you a bucket in the late game. Uh, he he won us game two in Toronto, and as Brett Brown said, like that was James Butler. He he stuck his dick out and put it <laughs> on the basketball court that game. Um, but and the, another thing to support Joe's argument, which he didn't even mention, is that okay, I think the Sixers are probably a whole tier ahead of the Heat, mm-hmm. and I think the Bucks are probably a half tier ahead of the Heat at this moment. On but paper, on pa- not an execution. I think okay. an execution. But, too. but it's it's a five game sales. But my point is that listen, listen. The Celtics and the Raptors are, I don't think, are definitively better than the Heat. The, the Heat have the best player of the three teams. It prob- Honestly, at this point, it probably goes Butler, Siakam, Kemba. And so the Celtics probably have the worst player of the three. And the Heat are deep. They have two rookies in Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero that are playing decent basketball. Dark Horse Rookie of the Year candidates. Dark yeah, Horse. Exactly. If Zion gets injured one more time. Exactly, exactly. They, ha- they have a deep team. Point Winslow is always very interesting. Point Winslow is and, fantastic. And Bam can protect the rim like a madman. And Bam's just in his sophomore year. And yes. look at, look, you know what I really he's, think it was? He's in his junior year, but go on. My fault. Well, I did that one. <laughs> anyway, you know what I think it was? I really think that, like, Jimmy Butler was just a perfect signing for him. I think Jimmy Butler has pushed every single one of those players to become a better version of themselves during this offseason. I really yeah. do. All right, I, I want to very much disagree with this this notion that the Heat are going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think the East is way deeper than anyone really thinks right now. I think there's a perception that the East is much weaker than the West, which is true, but the East is goes deep. Like, you have... Like, the Magic are a very good team. The Hawks... My Hawks are a good team. Agreed. You can... The Pacers are going to get Victor Oladipo back. 
The Bucks are very good. I know they haven't looked good, but you can't you can't take this and say they're not going to be good. They still have Giannis. They still have Chris Middleton. Brooke Lopez is going to get his three point shooting back. They're I mean, and Bud's, Coach Bud's system just fits that team perfectly. And I don't think you can just sit here and claim that the Heat are going to steamroll through whoever they come across because I don't think that's right. I'm not saying steamrolling, and that's why I like the way the NBA playoffs are set up. It's the best of seven series. I think that the best team always prevails in that. Okay. Yeah. And what's your, Joe? Let's just get to your second second thing. All right. Real quick. Right now. Like I said earlier, I'm taking any odds on Kyrie going for MVP. I think that if these Kyrie stats start transitioning into wins and he starts using Jarrett Allen and Karis LeVert to his advantage a little bit more, gets his assist numbers into, like, the seven averages, and he continues to put up, like, 29 and 7, I think Kyrie goes for MVP. Yeah, I, I, I don't I see that happening. Because I think for you for you to be in the East this year and win the MVP, it's going to have to be a top two seed. Well, it's also conditional the Nets getting second or third. Seed. Yeah, and I just I can't see that happening. I think I they're Kyrie's never made anyone around him better. He's never done that, not once, in his well, whole career. That's why he went to Brooklyn <laughs> for the culture and the system, baby. All right, David, you just let, let's hear your take. Yeah, I I think the Lakers are going to win the West, and I'm pretty confident. That know, is this take. is this playoffs is, or is this regular? This season? is the playoffs, and I'm I that I ain't no bold take. I I think <laughs> it's a pretty bold take. I don't think. I don't think people are, are people are really hopping on that train. And, and if you want the inverse of that, I don't think the Clippers are that good, honestly. Wow. I I don't. Okay. I, the, this is that's a bold thing. Okay. I don't think. I think obviously the Clippers are probably one of the four best teams in the West. I'm calling Pat Bev right now to come beat your ass. Pat Bev. Pat Bev will look me eye to eye and still beat my ass 100. <laughs> percent You're right. But I. So these are these are my issues with the Clippers. First off, if you look at Kawhi's playoff run in Toronto last year. Kawhi was the best player in the NBA playoffs last year, definitely. Kawhi's the best player in the NBA right now. I we'll get into that later. But I he was the best player in the playoffs last year. With that being said, his playoff run I think was massively overrated. Uh, people tend to underrate the Raptors teammates. Pascal Siakam was a legitimate two way threat in the playoffs, and Kyle Lowry. So this is what people forget: Kawhi relied on Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet to create an offense. Kawhi Leonard has never been a great um, assister. He's never been a great passer. He's never had great vision. And that's my issue with the Clippers is who the fuck is going to have this vision? Paul George has never been a great passer. Kawhi hasn't. Patrick Beverly is not. He's a defensive specialist. He's not going to be a maestro on the offense. like Marcus Smart. Exactly. And Kawhi relied on Kyle Lowry, who's one of the best in the league on doing that. And also, the Clippers aren't don't have the same identity that the Raptors had in the sense that the Raptors were a transition-based team. The Raptors had the length of Kawhi and Siakam and the bulldog mentality of Lowry, and that led into transition where Siakam and Kawhi just were unstoppable. I just don't see the, the perimeter creation on this team and I do think the fact that they don't have a true center is going to come back to bite them. I don't trust Zubach. I don't know who is – I don't think they beat the Lakers in, the se- in a seven-game series. Anthony Davis – who is guarding Anthony Davis on that team, especially when we get playoff LeBron back, which I guess goes – segues into my Lakers take. LeBron's still the best player in the fucking league. I don't think it's close. You saw what he did against the Mavericks last night. And he is not only the best player in the league, he's going to – prove that he's just as dominant in the playoffs, especially when you accompany him with a big man that compliments him so well in Anthony Davis. LeBron has been locked in on defense this year. He has a better defensive rating than Robert Covington, Lonzo Ball, other great defenders in the league. I just, I don't, I don't see, the Clippers will win a playoff series, maybe two. They're not getting past the Lakers. I don't know if they get past the Rockets or the Nuggets or the Jazz either. 
Well, I think your your thoughts about the perimeter creation on the Clippers, I, I actually I think that's a good thought. But Kawhi has become a better passer this year. We've seen it. He's been able to throw some passes that he wasn't able to before. Um, but it is interesting to think about wh- like whether or not they're going to be able to really break down a defense come playoff time. Yeah. And Kawhi can do it himself, but you can't you can't just go one-on-one every time. You no. need to get some movement no one's on that offense. Good. So I'm still a believer in the Clippers, um, but I think that's a fair point, and I want to see how it manifests itself. Um, and then the Lakers, like, I think the West is so wide open that it could it could really happen. Um, I The LeBron best player in the world thing, I'm, ki- I'm on the fence about that. I kind of am on both sides here. Um, but Anthony Davis is so, so good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've got, if their supporting cast steps up when it comes time, Danny Green is such a good, yeah, such I mean, a that's, good guy that's to That's another have. part of it is that Danny Green is such a bad man in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He really knows what he, I mean, he, the fact that he was a throw-in in the Kawhi trade from San Antonio yeah. was hilarious to me because he was so clutch for the Spurs in the finals. And he proved that again in Toronto last year. And he's yeah. just a man that can do exactly what you need as a complimentary piece to to two superstars. Yeah. And I, I don't really know what else you want. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers made a trade for another, whether it's a, a win-depth yeah. piece. That has to be part I think of that's it. what I'm looking for in the second half of the year. I think the Lakers need to trade. For a wing, a better wing defender, I KCP wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow managed to finesse their way into landing that Andre Iguodala buyout come mm-hmm. February. Um, look, I, I have talked to David before. He knows that my finals prediction this year was Lakers versus Philly, which is mine also. Um, but you know, give me the Lakers as a championship over the Philadelphia 76ers any day of the week. And I think in a best of seven series, the expertise of LeBron. And I think AD will take over and get that finals MVP. Um, I think Al Horford will prove that he's the best player in the playoffs for the 76ers because of wow. his experience. Yeah. That's another bold take of mine, I guess. I, I don't think, I think Embiid's going to have some struggles guarding Anthony Davis. Remember, Horford was the only person that was able to shut down Embiid um, defensively. Yeah. And I think Horford's going to have to carry the load of guarding Davis because I think Davis is going to put Embiid in a blender. Davis wow. Davis scored 15 points on, like, wow. 20% shooting against Embiid last year. Last year. Yeah. He's not playing. He didn't play with LeBron last year. It's a whole other ballgame. It's a whole other ballgame. So, I, just don't, I just don't know how you could say that with 27 from the free throw line. I don't, the free know, you, throw line. I don't know how you could say that. David, from the free throw line. That's, that that's just that's nothing to do with what we're talking it about. It means that Embiid <laughs> sometimes <laughs> commits stupid fouls, and I think that Anthony He's Davis is going to be... He's never been a foul guy. He I, really hasn't. I just think that... Okay, I think it's a... Very fair point that him playing with LeBron is a completely different ballgame because you just LeBron's basketball IQ is will never be surpassed ever. His passing ability is unlike anything I've ever seen on a basketball court. And sure, he makes everyone around him better. And that's something that's yeah, we can't judge that until the Lakers play the 76ers, but how are you gonna one hundred percent confidently say that Embiid can't guard this man when in the past he's done so exceptionally every time? I don't I don't get that. Because Anthony Davis has changed his game since coming to the Lakers to come play with LeBron. He's taken the role as the system, okay? He's boxing out a lot more, okay? He's playing off the elbow a lot yeah, more. He's he's a much more perimeter guy. Exactly. And I think that's a very dangerous combination when you also have LeBron cutting to the basket or popping out any other time to reset the offense. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. So, um, anything else we want, boys? Uh, I think I think we're good to go. I've got laundry to do. Joseph has laundry to do. Uh, Jason has I 
Jason probably sleeping has nothing. to do. Jason has sleeping to do at 9 p.m. on a Saturday Absolutely. night. Absolutely. And we... Yeah. So, so yeah. Thank, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for the first episode. We'll have um, we'll have more fun stuff coming in the future. Better content, always improving. Until next course. time, Shiggy Shooters. Yep. All right. We out.